Well, good morning, church. For those of you who are new to the church, I'm Ed Johnson. I am the pastor emeritus. I'm not real sure what that means other than old and gray. Um, It is a privilege to serve this church. I am part-time minister to senior adults. So those of you who are 55 and older, uh, I do a Bible study on Wednesday nights. I do it twice, actually, once at 4.15 and once at 6 o'clock. And you are invited. We'd be glad to have you come on Wednesdays and join us if you're not already somewhere else on Wednesdays. Um, It is a joy to serve with this church staff. Uh, I'm almost never here on Sundays. One of the things Pastor Darren told me is, I don't need you on Sunday, I'm going to preach. And uh, so I do interims right now. I'm at Main Street Baptist Church in Bartow. Bartow is the county seat town for Polk County. So Martha and I try to end up in Winter Haven on the weekend so that I can be at Bartow on Sunday and uh, end up back here on Wednesday so I could do a Wednesday prayer meeting and also do senior adult activities. So it's a joy. It is a joy to serve with our church staff. I know you realize this already, but I think we have the finest church staff anywhere. Uh, I love my pastor. Uh, I love trying to undergird his work. I love Brother Danny and the leadership that he gives. I am so excited about David being here to lead our music. And did you notice that Jessica has a little baby bump? I have a bigger bump than she does, (laughs) and I'm not going to deliver, but this Friday, they're going to have their baby, so uh, you be praying for them this week. Uh, I love Hunter and BJ and the opportunity to be with them. The only staff member we have who was here when I was pastoring the church is Monty, and uh, Monty's getting old. Uh, Not as old as I'm getting, but but I appreciate him so much and the leadership that he gives in our church. We have a great staff. And then Travis, who is working with our young people, uh, our children, is getting ready to get married. He had a shower last week. Uh, He needed a bath. Um... (laughs) But uh, he is giving wonderful leadership to our children's ministry at our church. You are blessed. So pray for your staff, support them, (laughs) encourage them. I began reading through the Bible again this year uh, from Genesis to Revelation. I'm in the book of Exodus. And as I was reading through Exodus, I was reminded of one of my favorite passages of Scripture. You know, 
it's interesting sometimes that you can be reading the Bible and see something that you never saw before. It is just incredible. I remember my New Testament and Greek professor in college saying to me, and he was uh, up in his late 60s at that time, uh, he read from a Hebrew Old Testament Bible and a Greek New Testament Bible and translated as he read. And he said to me something I've never forgotten. He said, Ed, I never open the Word of God that I don't see something I had never seen before. Sometimes it's a phrase. Sometimes it's a sentence. Today, I want to give you one word that's in a passage of Scripture that can literally change your life. So if you have your Bible... Open with me to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 8. Uh, it is in the midst of the plagues that are occurring. The river's already been turned to blood, and now uh, Moses is going to unleash the second plague on the people. You know there was a series of ten plagues. Ultimately, it resulted in the death of the firstborn of all the house of Egypt. And it did result in Pharaoh finally letting the people go. In each one of these plagues, uh, Pharaoh tried to negotiate. Uh, you can go, but don't go too far. Uh, you can take your men, but leave your women and children behind. Uh, you can take your families, but leave all your livestock behind. And every time Pharaoh basically said no, his heart grew harder and harder. Well, listen to this second of the plagues. I'm reading from the New King James Bible, a little different from what Brother Darren reads from on Sunday. But I memorized a lot of King James scripture. And so I made the accommodation of getting rid of the these and thous and the wist nots, but I love the flow of the New King James, so I'm sticking with it. If you found the scripture, stand with me. It's not stand anyway, and look at the screen. And I remind you that we stand just simply to honor the Word of God. We believe it is the inerrant, infallible Word of God. It is truth without any mixture of error. It's there not only to instruct us, but to encourage us and to lead us to have lives that honor the Lord Jesus Christ. So listen to the Word of God. And the Lord spoke to Moses. Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I'll smite all your territory with frogs. So the rivers shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into your house, into your bedroom, on your bed, 
into the houses of your servants, on your people, into your ovens and into your kneading bowls. And the frogs shall come up on you, on your people, and on all your servants. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your rod over the streams, over the rivers, and over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs on the land of Egypt. And I think, oh, that's great, more frogs. (laughs) Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, entreat the Lord, or in other words, pray for me, that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses said to Pharaoh, Accept the honor of saying when I shall intercede for you, for your servants, and for your people to destroy the frogs from you and your houses that they may remain in the river only. So he said, tomorrow. And he said, let it be according to your word that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. And the frogs shall depart from you, from your houses, from your servants, and from your people. They shall remain in the river only. Then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried out to the Lord concerning the frogs, which he had brought against Pharaoh. So the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And the frogs died out of the houses, out of the courtyards, and out of the fields. They gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. I bet it did. (laughs) But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and did not heed them, as the Lord said. Join me in prayer. God, thank you for your word. Help us to see the importance of the message today for our own lives and for our own benefit. Help us to not have a stubborn heart. Help us, Lord, not to procrastinate about decisions that we need to make. And help us to know that you indeed are the Lord God. You are above all others. And we are to follow you with all of our heart. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I love this passage of scripture. Some of you may collect frogs. I don't want a frog in my house. Um, I don't want a live frog. I don't want a dead frog. I don't want a ceramic frog. I don't want any kind of frog. I am not a frog collector. But would you let your sanctified imagination run with me for just a minute this morning? Can you even imagine 
what it was like to have a plague of frogs. The writer of Exodus makes it very clear. There were frogs everywhere. Everywhere. Just imagine waking up in Egypt that morning. You stretch, you flip back your covers, you put your feet on the floor and squish. <laughs> There's a frog. You make your way to the kitchen and you've got to watch every step because it's almost wall-to-wall -wall frogs in your house. You open a cabinet and rivet, rivet, out jumps a frog. You grab a kneading bowl, there's frogs in the bowl. Uh, you go to the well, and instead of bringing up a bucket of water, you bring up a bucket of frogs. There are frogs everywhere. And not only are they everywhere, they're on everything. It says the frogs will come up on you and on your people. There must have also been an epidemic of warts. <laughs> there were frogs everywhere. And I can just imagine getting up and going to work. You get in your chariot and everywhere the chariot turns, squish, squish, squish. You're killing frogs all the way there and all the way back. You get home, you're so sick and tired of seeing frogs that you finally just say, I'm going to bed. So you flip back your covers and you slide your feet into the bed and rivet, rivet, out jumps more frogs. I just have an idea that it was Ms. Pharaoh who gave up first. She said, big boy, you got to get rid of these frogs. I don't want to see another stinky, smelly frog. Get them gone. And so Pharaoh comes to Moses and says, Okay, I've had it. we got to get rid of these frogs. And Moses says, well, praise the Lord. When? When would you have me remove the frogs? And Pharaoh says this word that just captures me this morning. Tomorrow. Now, can you imagine? He could have said, Get them gone right now. I don't want any more frogs. I don't know what motivated him. Maybe it was the slave labor. Maybe it was the fact he didn't really want to let the children of Israel go. I don't know what it was. But when it was in his power to have those frogs gone immediately, he basically said, give me one more night with the frogs. Can you imagine that? And so the word that jumped out at me from the pages of the scripture is that word tomorrow. And I would say this about tomorrow. First and foremost, tomorrow's a sad word. It really is. Because if you're going to put off till tomorrow, whatever it is in your life, you're saying, well, I'll stick with it one more day, one more night. Listen, I've been on a hundred diets tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to be a better husband tomorrow. I'll be a better preacher tomorrow. 
I'll study harder tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow. Do you know what you're saying when you say, I'm going to be better tomorrow? I'm going to still stay sorry today. <laughs> I'm going to just stay in the situation that I find myself in. I'm not going to make any changes right now. I'll make them tomorrow. And did you notice what happened to Pharaoh when all the frogs were gone and the next day came? He hardened his heart. And he did not do what he said he would do. He did not let the people go. Tomorrow is a sad word. Secondly, tomorrow is a deadly word. Do you know we have no guarantee of tomorrow? The Bible says, what is your life? It's like a vapor. It's here one moment and gone the next. One of my favorite stories I tell, and you've heard it, my mother-in-law, when I was married to Hilda, gave me a non-fog mirror for the shower. And I put that mirror up and decided something that I've never done before. I think I'll shave in the shower and use this mirror. Well, I got in the shower, I lathered up, and this non-fog mirror fogged. I couldn't see anything. And so I began to try to shave and rinse off the razor and shave and rinse off the razor. When I got through, I got the towel and did that number that you do with the towel. And I noticed my towel was bloody. And I called for Hilda. And I said, Hilda, did I cut myself? There's blood on the towel. And so I turned around and I had cut myself where I was rinsing off the razor. <laughs> and so Hilda says to me, how did you do that? I said, I was shaving. She said, why were you shaving there? I said, I wasn't shaving there. There just got in the way of where I was shaving. <laughs> Sometimes the things that we think we want to try are not the things we ought to try. I don't shave in the shower anymore. But the point is that life is like that vapor, like that mist that was on the glass where you see it, and then all of a sudden, it's gone. That's the way our life is. And when we put off what we ought to be doing, it can be deadly. Putting off decisions that we need to make. Putting off phone calls we need to make. Uh, I can't tell you the number of times I've had someone lose a loved one. And they've said something like this. Well, you know, I meant to visit or I meant to call and things were so busy and now he's gone or she's gone. Listen, tomorrow can be a deadly word. But thirdly, tomorrow's the devil's word. 
It is the word that the devil uses to keep us in the same condition in which we find ourselves, to keep us where we're not making any change. I read a story, an allegory of a man who had a dream, and he dreamed that the devil and his demons were plotting how they might overcome mankind. And uh, one of the demons said, well, let's just tell people that the Bible is a good book, but it's not really the Word of God. They talked about that for a little while, and Satan finally said, I don't think that'll work. Uh, People know that the Bible is not an ordinary book. It is the living Word of God. And people will read it, their lives will be changed, and they will realize that the Bible is actually God's infallible inspired word. So they said, well, let's just tell people there's not a heaven and there's not a hell. That all you get in this life is what you experience in this life. And when this life is over, it's done with. And they said, I don't believe we'll get people to believe that. Things just don't work out in this life. Good things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people. People are not going to believe that this life is all there is. So they discussed some more. And one of the demons said, well, let's tell them that Jesus Christ is not really the Son of God. He was a good man, a great rabbi, a good teacher, but he was not the Messiah. He was not the promised one of God. They talked about that. And Satan said, we'll never get people to believe that because people who trust in Jesus will find their lives changed, will find things radically different. And they will believe that Jesus Christ is really who he says he is. He is God's son. He is the savior of the world. So they discussed a little further and Satan said, you know, I think I've got it. We'll tell people the Bible is God's word from cover to cover. It is inerrant, infallible. It is the divine word of God. We'll tell people that heaven is as sweet as the Bible says it is, and hell is as awful as the Bible depicts it to be, a place of judgment and eternal torment. And we'll tell them that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then we'll just tell them they've got plenty of time. And that's Satan's strategy even today. Wait till tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow you can be a better husband. Tomorrow you can be a better wife. Tomorrow you can change your life. Tomorrow you can head in a different direction. Tomorrow. And you know what? If you keep waiting till tomorrow, you will eventually run out of them. Because God has a word. If Satan's word is tomorrow, God's word is today. Twice in the Bible, I found basically this same verse of scripture. In Psalm 95, 
verses 7 to 11, and in Hebrews 3, 15, it basically says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Today. The Bible also says, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that we need to make whatever changes we need to make in our life. If you need to be a better husband, you need to be a better husband today. You need to start right now. If you need to be a better wife, you need to make that decision today. If you need to stop some bad habit in your life, you need to make that decision right now and start it right now. But more importantly than that, if you've not yet come to a place that you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, who do you think is pushing you to say, oh, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do that later. I can't tell you the number of times that I've tried to share my faith in Christ and present the gospel to someone. And they said, well, Brother Ed, uh, I, I think I understand what you're saying, but I'm not ready yet. Uh, I'll do that later. Before I went in the ministry, I was in the insurance business. I'm still in the insurance business. I just deal in eternal life now. But I would say to someone, if they listened to my presentation and then wouldn't take out the insurance policy, they would always say something like, check with me again in six months or a year, maybe I'll be ready then. And I'd take a notepad and I'd write a little statement. I guarantee that I'll be in good health and insurable six months from now. And I'd say, if you'll sign this, then I'll come back in six months. And they'd go, I can't sign that. I don't know what's going to happen in six months. And I said, exactly. That's why you need that policy now. And here's what I would say to you. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't have a guarantee that in six months, or six years, or tomorrow, that you will feel more ready to accept Jesus than you are today. Today is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. I have a dear friend, his name is Charles Redmond. He is still preaching in Pasadena, Texas. Years ago, when we were still downtown, he came and preached a revival for us. Good preacher, good man. I remember one day, we were both in Tennessee at the time, pastoring. And he called me and he said, Brother Ed, I have been invited to preach at the National Baptist Convention in Nashville, Tennessee. Have you ever preached to a black congregation? And I said, Brother Charles, I have, and I can tell you this. If there's any preach in you, they'll get it out. Uh, they are an alive group. And Charles went to Nashville, 
he got to the auditorium where they were having this convocation. There was a great crowd of people. And he said the music was awesome. He said the choir got up. They swayed while they were singing. They nearly lifted the roof off the church. He said it was moving. And he said when the choir finished, the moderator came to the platform and gave me the best introduction I've ever had in my life. He said, my mama wouldn't have recognized me. (laughs) He told everywhere I'd been to school, every degree I'd had, everywhere I'd ever preached, uh, what my family was like. He went on and on with this introduction. And when he got finished, he said, and now the choir will sing one more song, and after that, Dr. Redmond will come and preach. And he said the choir got up and they really outdid themselves. And they sang again and he said, I gathered my Bible to get ready to go to the platform and the moderator put his hand on my chest and gently pushed me back in the chair. He got up, he came to the platform He looked out at the congregation and said one word, yes, and he repeated it, yes. And then he got a little chant going, yes, 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 yes. And the congregation caught it and they said back to it, yes, 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 yes. And then the moderator bowed his head and he prayed this prayer, Lord, You've heard our answer. Now tell us, what do you want us to do? Wow. Charles said, I don't much remember what I preached that day, but I remember what I heard. God works best in our lives. When, like a blank check, we just say, God, the answer is yes. Now, tell me, what do you want me to do? We're prone to say, God, tell me what you're up to. If I like it, I might want to get in on it. God never works that way. God looks at us to just see if we're willing today to give him the best that we have, to give him our lives, to give him our faith, to put our trust in him and the answer has to be yes not maybe tomorrow maybe next week next month next year the answer has to be yes I think the plague of frogs must have been awful but I think living with them when you didn't have to is even worse And I want to tell you, whatever situation you find yourself in this morning, it can change. It can change for the better when you say yes to God and say, today, things are going to be different in my life. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. If you will do that, God will bless you. In a few moments, we're going to sing, and uh, after the song, one of our ministers will be over here by the cross. 
if you've not yet invited Jesus into your life, I want to encourage you with all that's within me, come to the cross. Say yes this morning. Let Christ come into your life and let your life begin anew. And it may be that you've been visiting First Baptist Church, it seems like forever, and you've been wrestling with whether or not you were going to make a decision to be a part of this church fellowship. I want to tell you something. I've been a part of this church for 40 years. If I could belong anywhere else, I would not. This is my church home. Uh, these are the people I love that I do fellowship with. These are the people that I would call on if I had a problem in my life. These are the people who love me and love Martha and make life a joy. I commend this church to you. If you'd like to be a part of our fellowship, you can walk to the cross and say, you know what? I'm tired of waiting until tomorrow. I'm ready to make that decision today to be a part of the fellowship of First Baptist Church. Whatever you need to do in your life, don't wait till tomorrow. Make that commitment today. God will bless it. God will honor it. And your life will be better because of it. Let me lead us in a word of prayer and then our music team will come and lead us in our last song. Dear Heavenly Father, some of us have issues in our life that are as messy for us as those frogs. And yet, the situation can change. If we would simply say to you, yes, Lord, please, Make a difference in my life today. Please give me the courage to deal with this situation today. Whether it's the need for salvation, the need for a church relationship, the need for someone just to pray with us and encourage us. Father, all of that is available to every person here today because of Jesus, because of what he has done for us. And I pray that those who are here without Christ would open their hearts to him today and pray a prayer maybe like this. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I have failed in so many ways. But you have come to forgive sin and to pay the ultimate penalty for our sins. Today, I trust you as my Savior. Forgive my sin. Help me to live in the midst of the abundant life you've promised. May that be true for me today. And may I live my life for you. God, the answer is yes. Lord, move in our hearts today. Be glorified in the decisions that are made. And may Christ be exalted, I pray. 
in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.